good to see you all again today. Um, I want to take you in for a moment into the walls of a pre-marital counseling appointment. And as I gather with a couple who is excited about a coming wedding, we will go through the 10 most important kind of conversations that they have to have in order to have a healthy marriage. We'll talk about uh, uh, expectations and roles. We'll talk about conflict resolution. We'll talk about spiritual compatibility. All the things that help a couple really have a lifelong marriage that's healthy. And then we get to the topic of sex and money. And I talk with them, and the first question I'll ask them is, who taught you about both topics? How did you learn about sex, and how did you learn about money? And across the board, most times couples say the same thing. The internet, TV, and the locker room. And sometimes someone will say, I got a degree in business and I learned finance from school as well. But it is oftentimes really sad that Hollywood and our culture are the greatest educators of two topics that cause great harm and hurt in many people's lives. I am not unaware that as we're here today, um, that there are people in this room who've been hurt by both, especially by money. Relatives, family members, moms and dads who maybe paid too much attention to the paycheck and to their jobs and not to you and to raising children. I realize that there are people here who uh, have had pastors talk about money in a really hurtful way. And they talked about how God wanted you to be rich. And they even used the Bible as justification for their premise. They even used the passage that we're going to look at today about biblical generosity to justify and tell you that being rich was what God wanted for you. And so today we're gonna to talk about our fourth G in our little gather, grow, go, and it's give. It's give. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, this is the Sunday I did not wanna to come to church. <laughs> but let me just boast about you for a moment. You're mature. That's what I know about this church. You're mature. You're a great church, a great congregation. And we're a mature congregation that actually owes it to ourselves to rightly see what the Bible says about wealth and money and generosity, right? We owe that to ourselves. And I also realized that this is probably a conversation that would be a lot better with like two or three around a table and a cup of coffee. That's how I would prefer to have this conversation um, because there's nuances to it. There's questions. Everybody will have questions. And just to start off, I would also just say that if you ever have any questions about the financial side of this church, please ask me. This is a very transparent place. We're authentic, and we have a wonderful team, and every dollar that you give here gets run through a great process of four really strong accountants to make sure it's all dealt with well. I never see any, any of the money at all that's ever given to this place. A lot of integrity here. And I want you to know that every time you give, we realize the sacrifice that was done for that gift. Um, and so thank you off the bat just for your generosity in making this place what it really is. And so if you have your Bibles, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 11 uh, for our passage. And it, we'll just get off the, bat, uh, off, off, the, off, the, off the top and ask a question that we all need to ask about this topic, which is why? Why would I ever give my resources to a cause, to a church, or to a person that I worked hard for? You ever wonder that? Like a moment ago, we had our little giving moment. And it's sweet. There's a nice little piano behind it. You know what I mean? You know? But why? Like, why would I ever be called to give my resources that I work hard for, that you work hard for, to a cause, to a church, or to a person in need? And the answer to that question is really the answer that Paul gives us in our passage. And here it is. It's this, that giving 
is done not for what it might say about me, but is done for what it will say about God. Giving is done not for what it will say about me or even about us, but giving in the Bible is done for what it ultimately will say about God. And in our passage, we're going to have three truths from our passage, three truths that help us understand what giving does that speaks about God well. Um, again, we're wrapping up our series, Gather, Grow, Go, our new series, uh, All Things New. And over the past four weeks, we've looked about at our four church-wide rhythms of church involvement and discipleship, Gather, Grow, Go, Give. And uh, three weeks ago when we started it, we talked about gathering together and how important Sunday mornings are here at this place and how Sundays um, are really the beginning of a community of faith, hope, and love. And we said the average Christian in America goes to church 1.3 times a week or a month. Um, and that we're not average, and you're not average. And this isn't an average congregation. We didn't plan an average church. And so we leaned into what it means for us to go to church two or three times a, a month to help really bolster our faith, hope, and love. We talked about growing and how uh, God wants us to become mature Christians and how you and I can't reach our potential as Christians on our own. And then we can't reach our potential as a church, as a collection of individuals in random seats who don't know each other. So we have to come together and have unity. And then last week we talked about go and how we're invited by Jesus to go into our Samarias and invite people who are outside the church walls because the church and Jesus can feel like a club that people on the outside are not invited into. And so now this week again we get into give. And when we talk about giving, what we mean by that is that uh, because God has given so generously to us, see our God is a generous God. All through the Bible we read that God gives to us and we're going to get more into that in just a moment. But he, ultimately he's given us Jesus. And he's given us our forgiveness. He's given us salvation. But he's given to us. And because he's given generously to you and to I, the Bible calls us to act in kind and be generous with what he's entrusted to our lives as well. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verse 6 through 11, I will begin to read. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Can everyone say cheerful giver? Thank you. That's going to be an important part of this passage. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Jump down to verse 11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on all occasions and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The Apostle Paul wrote this passage, and he wrote it to the Christians living in Corinth because he was going to go there and collect a financial gift to give to persecuted and poor Christians living in Jerusalem. And in verse 6, he begins to speak to their motivations. And he says uh, his main point in verse 6, with the word, starting with the word, remember this, uh, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. The word generously in this passage means blessed. And it can literally be translated, those who sow with blessing, blessing they will also reap. That's the literal translation. And Paul used this phrase, with blessing, to remind us that God is the source of all of the resource. That's the first point about what giving does and points to about God. God is the source of all resource. You see, when we give generously and we give, it shows us, it shows others, and it shows God that we understand where everything has come from. It's come from Him. He is the provider. 
all, you've been blessed to be a blessing, is what we've probably heard that in, the, in, in other, other sermons, right? Like, God has given to us, and so we are asked to give as well. Now, that isn't the perspective of most Americans in society today. Most people have a perspective of, I've worked hard for it, which you did. Um, I earned it, which you did. And so, therefore, I get to spend it as well, however I want to. Our attitude towards wealth is, I've earned it, I get to do what I want with it. But all throughout the Bible, God is seen as the ultimate provider. He's the one who gives. He blesses us. He blesses us so we can bless other people. In James 1.17, it says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadow. Every good thing. Ultimately, that's good because our God's character is good. That's one of his primary attributes is goodness. Every good thing that you had, if you had a good breakfast this morning, guess what? You can source it back to God. I saw the donut picture of the girl on the screen, and it's like she's happy she got a donut. That good gift came from God's good heart, right? Uh, Deuteronomy 8, 17 through 18 says this, You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. It's a great passage. See, God has given us the talent to produce wealth. He's given you the creativity to do your job. He's given you the ability to, to do carpentry work and floor work. He's given you the ability to not get sick to your stomach when you see blood at your job as a nurse or a first responder. Like, I get sick. I don't have that ability, right? Um, he's given you your ability to teach children and not get upset with them or not get impatient with them. That, that ability is from God. He's given you those abilities to do that. He's given you the ability to think strategically about business. All those ideas, all those uh, 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 gifts, he's given to us. And then, of course, he's given more than that. He's given us Jesus. He's given us, on the spiritual side, our salvation. He's given us heaven. He's given us uh, the Holy Spirit. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. That's the heart of God, is to give his one and only son. That's the greatest gift. And so, you see, the first problem that we have about money and wealth is that we have to settle in our heart who it was that gave us what we have. We have to settle in our heart who it was that gave us what we have. Who gave it to us? And you know what they, oh, I, I worked hard for it, I did it. We might acknowledge that maybe we had some ingenuity in it, but ultimately everything can go back to God is the source of the resource. Did God supply you with your mind? Or did you work for your mind, your thoughts, your body? All that came from God. 1 Corinthians 4.7, this is a passage I didn't even know existed until this week. What do you have that you did not receive? Ask yourself that question this week. What have I received that I have not received from God? Psalm 50, 10 through 12, God says this, for every animal of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields that, that are mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you for the world is mine and all that is in it. God says, even the insects are mine. Like, I don't know anybody wants to have insects, but God's like, those are mine too. You're like, okay, God, I get the point. Everything comes from God. The, he is the source of the resource. See, we think the biggest problem with money is I need more of it. And I wish that we could all have more of it, right? That'd be nice. That would make life a little easier. Um, but that's not our biggest problem. The biggest problem the Bible teaches is how do I use what I've been given well? That's actually a more important conversation. I've been given something. How do I use this wisely? Because God's given me it to me. So how do I actually take care of this well? Because the Bible actually teaches that when we use it well, there's something that happens that we're going to get to in a moment. So verse 6, 
Let's now get into the main meaning of this proverb that he says. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This, is a, this proverb is self-evident. Of course, when a farmer takes a little bit of grain and they spread it only sparingly around their field, what happens? They get a very little harvest. Of course, that makes sense, right? And of course, when a, uh, a farmer takes a ton of seed and they spread it to every corner of their field, making sure every piece of ground is covered in seed, the result is that they have a larger harvest. And so Paul takes a very obvious farming truth and he gives us a principle for biblical generosity. And here's what the proverb teaches us. Those who are generous with what God has provided should never fear not having enough. Now pay attention to that. Those who are generous with what God's given should never fear not having enough. A lot of double negatives in there. And so here's our second truth of what biblical giving reveals about God. Giving reveals that God is generous to those who are generous to him. Somehow God is generous to us in being generous to him. On the screen, I'll have a breakdown of Paul's thinking in this passage. Um, can we bring that slide up, Brett? Here it is. So it's kind of small, but our money is a blessing from God. It's seen as the seed in the proverb. When we use our wealth to bless others and invest in what matters to God, it makes an impact and multiplies. It impacts other people. It impacts God's kingdom. And then God gives more to the sower in kind and not in kind. What does that mean? It means that often God's, God supplies us with material blessing to provide for our needs and also spiritual blessings. And we're going to get to both of those in just a moment in verses 7 and 8. He addresses that. And sometimes he gives in various quantities, and he also gives to help us bless other people further. So let me say that again. Giving reveals God is generous to those who are generous to him. So I have here a cantaloupe seed. Let me get my seed here. It's very small. I, I, actually, I put it in a Ziploc bag because it's so small, I will lose it. Anybody know uh, the challenges of, of, of losing small things? But it's tiny, right? I, I don't even know. You can't even put a value on that. It's so small, maybe insignificant. But the wise farmer knows that when they plant a seed like this, it has the potential to produce in a cantaloupe hundreds and hundreds of seeds. Now, it's, it's like a miracle. Out of one tiny seed, and if you could see in the layers of the cantaloupe, there's more, it just goes deeper and deeper. And that's a picture of what this um, passage is saying. That when we give to God, somehow God uses our tiny little bit. He makes a huge impact on people's lives. And then in some strange way, he gives back to us to provide for our everyday tangible needs. That's what Paul is saying in this. This is not an isolated truth in Scripture. I know there are some objections happening in our minds, because I had them all week long. And we're going to get to those objections in a moment. Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they've done. Proverbs 11, 24, 25. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but, becomes, uh, but, but has poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And then my favorite, Jesus. we got to love Jesus on this topic. What's, what's, what's the rabbi say? He says, Luke 6.38, give and it will be given to you. In fact, Paul's words echo Jesus' words. Paul is actually quoting Jesus on this very topic. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, I've seen this principle play out in, in our marriage, Chris and I, multiple times. 
And I, I just gotta say, there's not, it's not like a transaction. It's not like A plus B equals C. It's a, it's a step of faith, right? It requires trust in a God who provides. And so you can't look at the sheet and go, you know, the budget sheet and go, I, I gave this and then I saw this come in. That will not work. We're gonna get to that objection in a moment. You guys are tracking me. Adam's smiling at me. This is his topic. He's really good at this kind of stuff, right? I'm, how am I doing, man? Doing all right? Thanks, bro. Okay. He's nodding. That makes me feel good. So, but we've seen this play out. So in 2011, we were asked to give generously to build schools in India for the poorest of the poor, the deletes. And we were asked to really give deeply into what it meant to be sacrificial in giving. And Chris and I had a, had a number that God put on our hearts, and frankly, it was way beyond what we were comfortable with. But we decided to commit to it. It's a three-year commitment. At the same time, we hadn't yet started having kids yet. And we wanted to save enough money so that Krista could stop working and stay home with our children and bond with them at the most important time as infants. You know why we value that, because you value that same thing as well. And those two desires seemed irreconcilable, that we could not make that work. If we gave to this, it wouldn't work here. But we felt the Holy Spirit saying, give. Give to the cause of caring for the poorest of the poor in India. So we gave. Three years end, and the commitment ended literally March 9th, 2014. Our daughter, our firstborn, Julia, is born March 11th, two days later. And for some crazy reason, the math did not work out. We fulfilled our commitment, and at the same time, somehow, we had enough saved up as well for Krista to stay home for several years to bond with our kids. We have no explanation for that other than it says something about who God is. No explanation. Only thing, we, we were like, okay, we're just going to take a step of faith and trust God. And so God somehow, some in his, in his way, he provides and uses our generosity to care for us and also care and make an impact for his kingdom. We are told of two ways that God gives generously to us when we are generous to him. The first is found in verse 7. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. When we're generous to God, God loves to give his love. God loves a, a generous giver. Now, what you think, I know you're thinking, doesn't he love all of us? Absolutely. God loves each one of you in this room. He loves me unconditionally. It's not religion where I have to work for his love. It's full acceptance because of what Jesus did on the cross. And yet somehow in this passage, it communicates that God has a special affection for people who are generous to him. And I believe that he has a special affection for people who are generous to him because it's his heart to want to give to everybody else. And when we align our hearts to him, to his character, somehow God pours out a special affection to those who love to give generously. Now, some of you guys know the name Pastor John MacArthur. And if you know that name, you know he's scrupulous and critical. And so I went to him and I said, if somebody's going to find a hole in this, he's going to find a hole in this. And he was skeptical. And through his research, he found that, yes, God loves the world, has a special affection for the world. And God loves his children, those who say yes to Jesus and belong to him. But only in, the, in this passage, this is the only passage we see, it's a very unique passage, where God loves special, uh, somebody in a special way because of a character quality they demonstrate. Only this one place. God has a special affection for us when we are generous to the things that he finds important. Uh, and I cannot imagine a greater incentive than that. To be the object of God's special affection. To be the recipient of some sort of special connection with the heart of the Father because his heart is to give. And when we align ourselves to him, it also aligns ourselves to what God's up to in the world. 
And every believer can receive this. Every believer can experience this. And how do we do it? The passage tells us. Just got to stay, uh, stay, stay connected to the passage. Each of you should give what you've decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly or under a compulsion. Generous giving begins in the heart. It's a voluntary generosity. That's where it has to begin in the heart. So when I share a need about our church, and I'm going to share about our finances in a few minutes, about where we're going. After one year, we kind of know where we're at. When I share those things, it's under no uh, coercion on, your, on my part. I try to be very you know, bland. Hello, welcome. Glad to have you here. Um, it is really freely something that you're called to then have a conversation with God about. Okay? It's, it's, it's from the heart. It's voluntary generosity. But voluntary generosity doesn't mean casual generosity. Those are not the same thing. It's not, well, I guess I'm going to give when I feel like it. Or it's not, I guess I'm going to give when I feel like Aaron has a good message, which that would be the worst pressure for me. <laughs> if you want to see me die of a heart attack, let's just have that idea. All right? No. It's from the heart. Because I've given to things, just, I didn't plan, I've given to things that haven't worked in God's kingdom. And I never regretted it. Because it came from the heart. And it was something I wanted to do. So it says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart. That word decided, it's only ever used in this one passage. Never again. It means predetermined. We're to come to church whenever you give or however you give, uh, where you give, with a plan in place, with a purpose in place. Not, not just knee-jerk, predetermined, planned, determined giving. That's what Paul has in mind. And then not reluctantly. And that means not to give with sorrow and grief in your heart. We're not to give and think to ourselves, well, I know the need is there. I know that they asked. I know that everybody else is going to do it as well. So it's what good Christians do. So therefore, I have to do it. But man, I really want that money. I don't want to give it. You ever felt that before? Keep it. Keep the money. That's not the kind of giving God loves. Not reluctantly. And then also not under compulsion. Under compulsion means that I gave only because I was persuaded. I gave because someone else next to me gave. Uh, from the heart. Instead, God wants us to give cheerfully, which means hilariously. Hilarious giving. I think it's hilarious that every piece of furniture in our building was given to us. Show, if you didn't know that, that's why we didn't choose maroon chairs. Okay, I just want you to know. I would have liked to have a nice little gray or something, right? No, but you know how much chairs cost? All these chairs cost like $17,000, okay? Someone just gave them to us. The couches, so said, wow, nice furniture. Wow, they have a great budget. No, we don't have a budget for furniture. They were given from another friend's church to us. I mean, we're, we're going to have some nice TVs hung here that are sitting behind here in the next couple weeks. We, didn't, we don't have a technology budget for that. They were donated to us. See, people have been giving out of the heart to this place, and, and that's what's so amazing about it. It's cheerful. It's hilarious. One couple, before we launched our church, they gave $15,000, not even over 30 years old, $15,000 out of their savings for a new home so that we could plant this church. That's hilarious generosity. Like, why would you do that? I have no, I have no idea. But they felt compelled to, to give. Now, yeah, praise God. The second way God, so the first way God's generous is he gives us a certain special affection when we give out of the heart. Secondly, um, he gives to us um, in ways that help us provide for our needs. Needs In verse 8, it says, God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. 
Now, I've heard it said that you can uh, um, give to somebody and not love them, but you can never love somebody and not give to them. Like if you love them, you want to give. And that same thing happens with us and God. When someone aligns their heart generously to God's heart to give generously, somehow God does meet our tangible needs. I have no other way to explain it other than what the Bible says, that God somehow does meet our tangible needs. See, giving from a non-Christian perspective doesn't make any sense. It's like this should not work. You should not have more if you give a lot, or you would have less if you gave more. But from the spiritual standpoint, when we are generous to God, somehow God can replenish what we've given and provide for us when we really need it. That's why it says, so that at all things, at all times, having all that you need, you can abound in every good work. So you know that I love cookies, and I've used this illustration before. Um, and I, I love cookies. I love cookies, and I love trail mix. Like, that's what I go for. I don't know why. But like, you know, I have some small cookies here. Really small cookies. Okay, it's tiny. Oh, it's so poor Aaron. It's so tiny. <laughs> Now, imagine, imagine with me, this is all I got. And I think we, we oftentimes think about our, this is all I have, right? And uh, we work hard for it, it's all I have. But if someone were to come up to me and say, Aaron, can I have a piece of that, your cookie? And I'm like, ooh, I don't know. Because uh, if I give you a piece of, of the cookie, I don't have a whole lot left. And this is one reason why we don't give. It's because of a scarcity mentality. But brothers and sisters, God doesn't function from a scarcity mentality. He can speak worlds into existence. He can just, everything's already his. And in a strange way, I don't know how to, adjust, to call for it other than God's goodness. Sometimes he can replenish. Sometimes he gives more. Sometimes it's physical. Sometimes it's spiritual. Sometimes it's just his love. Sometimes it's relationships. Sometimes, sometimes your dryer goes 15 years instead of five years. Right? I mean, come on. Some of y'all know this. You do. Um, you're, you know, we don't understand how it all works out together. But he does it. He can do anything. So God often gives to us in abundance. He gives us Jesus ultimately. It's not about getting more stuff. Um, but he allows us to receive. And he allows us to even look at the things we have as our own. He allows us to think that they're actually ours. He allows us to spend the majority of what we have on what we need and what we want, on great vacations, on trips, on camping trips, on, 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 on boats and, and cars and all the things and the stuff that we won't actually take with us to heaven. He allows us to actually use it on that so that he has one thing, though. He has one request. And in verse 8, he says, so that you can abound in good work. He asks us as his children to do one thing, which is to give a portion of what he's given to us from a voluntary, generous heart to the things that are important to him. And the things that are important to God are ministries and missionaries and churches that teach the Bible, that reach people with the gospel, and that care for the poor. Those are the things that make God's heart bleed. He wants the, and so he asks us to give generously, joyfully, hilariously to missionaries who sacrifice a lot, to churches, especially churches that are trying to teach the Bible and reach those who don't know Jesus, and then to people who are, have a lot less than us. And he asks us to do it with joy. And in return, he pours out his affection, and oftentimes he provides provision when we need it most. Now, maybe you're thinking to yourself, this is health and wealth prosperity gospel, Aaron. This is prosperity theology. 
If you're not you're familiar with that term, that term uh, uh, prosperity theology is a term that's unbiblical, um, that's been taught, and these verses have been used. And I wanted to share with you what it is so that you can recognize it when you actually see it. According to the Gospel Coalition, Health and Wealth Prosperity Theology says that Jesus atoned for the sin of material poverty and that every person is entitled to be rich because Jesus paid for that sin. It teaches that Christians give in order to get material compensation from God. It teaches that faith is self-generated spiritual force that leads to financial prosperity, and it teaches that prayer is a tool to force God's hand to make you financially wealthy. Is this passage teaching this? No, it's not. Instead, I like what my Greek professor said about it in his commentary on this passage. He said this, The Bible is not teaching a formula for, for financial prosperity, but rather an amazing promise that those who are determined to bless others will find that God is even more determined to bless them. That's the principle. This may include both material and spiritual blessings to stimulate further generosity. So the most important difference between health and wealth prosperity theology and biblical generosity is that uh, health and wealth prosperity theology is a give-to-get mentality. And the moment that we give in order to get with those kind of motives, we actually forfeit the very blessing that God wants to give to us with the heart of generosity. And so, um, yeah, God loves it. This all comes down to a head in verse 8. It says this, and God is able. And God is able. The word able is power. God has the power to provide for us. Our truth today is this. Giving is done not for what it might say about me, but for what it will say about God. And so what does your giving say about your God? Does it say that God is able to provide? He's able? Or does your giving say, no, I don't think he is able? So this morning we learned three truths about that main, main promise. Giving tells others that God is the source of all of the resource. Giving tells others that God is determined to be generous to those who are generous to him. And number three, giving reveals God's power to provide. So let me just ask you that question again. What is your generosity saying about your God? That's an individual question for all of us to wrestle with this week. You may be asking, how do I apply this to my life, Aaron? Well, the first off, we don't have time. This is just a beginning conversation. And I get the sense that there's, there's some stirring, some conviction, because I sat with this passage all week long. <laughs> all right, and I'm just, I mean, I'm sure you're feeling this as well. Maybe even have questions. And I encourage you to write those questions down and let's talk. You can reach out to me and let's have a, have a little chat, because I, I think I'm just trying to teach the text the way it's taught. Um, but how can you live it out? Well, first off, the Bible does teach that uh, God doesn't want us to live in debt. He wants us to live on a budget. And that, this is a very simple thing. I don't have a lot of time to go through it, but Financial Peace, great website, a lot of resources there about how to manage debt, how to continue to give, how to continue to have a budget, live within our means. Like that is God's will, live within our means, have a budget, a really important principle, encourage you to keep looking into that. And if any questions, Financial Peace is a great resource to go to. There are people in this church who have a heart for this. And if you do, please come to me, up to me after um, after service, let me know that you would love to talk to any couples that are struggling to encourage them because I think that there are people in our church who've done financial peace and want to work with people who have questions about money. But secondly, I want to just talk about our church for a moment, for us. Um, we're coming up on our one-year anniversary and it created a great week to talk about this very thing. And I want to thank you for your generosity to this place. We would not be here if it were not for you. We are the body of Christ and we have all sacrificed to give to this place. 
I got an email from some random guy that I've never met who I'm meeting uh, for lunch in two weeks, and he said this, Aaron, I've heard through the grapevine that Friends Church Eastville is a special place, and I want to meet up to hear more. Your faith, the impact you're making, the community that's being developed here is making a difference, and it's beginning to leak out and talk to other people, speak to, the, you know, to their hearts and what they're looking for. And so I'm not unaware of the sacrifices it takes to make this place happen. I know that eggs cost $10 right now. I know that bread is $8 at Costco. And I know that a recession is coming or it's already here. And I know there's a real speed bumps to what it means to give generously to this church. And so thank you. It's also not the time to shrink back either because our God is able. In fact, it's actually a time for us to step in and lean into faith and trust that he is able and to see what he can do. So since moving into this new facility, we have grown 30% in adult attendance, which is awesome. I know many of you have said that. Wow, there's a bunch of new faces. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Appreciate your, thanks, dude. Thank you for encouragement today, bro. Our kids' ministry has grown 90% in three, yeah, crazy. It's going to grow like 100% by the summertime because there's like seven babies being born. Um, I will say, if you feel led to, to serve in the kids' ministry, we are recruiting right now. Um, Impact card. Look at what has happened this past year. In one year, look at all the things that you have been a part of. Um, we've done foster kids, 75 boxes of love that were given to kids. And actually, Olive Crest is going to be here the next couple weeks with a table to talk to us just about what they've been up to. They are so thankful for what we did. Um, city Serve, we've served our city, we've served Norco, we've done all kinds of things for the city this last year. Families, we renovated four kids' rooms so that we could have better kids' ministry. Uh, church planting, we served two church planters this last year to encourage them to actually give and, and, to, and to the kingdom. Now, just a story I didn't plan on sharing, but we gave to one church planter all the chairs that they needed for their building because we were giving them from someone else. Less than two weeks later, we got two gifts for $30,000 randomly. I can't explain how that works. That we gave to a church planter and then someone from the outside gave us a large donation and it's that that helped us meet our budget at the end of the year. Incredible generosity. And so it, it really helps us to have an outward focus of church planning and investing in God's kingdom because that's where his heart is. Domestic abuse, we've hosted teas for women who've gone through domestic violence and we have a heart for that here. And then first responders. We have so many in, this, in the audience today. And we love you. And we hosted a trauma training for spouses of first responders for all that you've gone through. And we continue to um, pray for you. We know that what you face every day is a big deal. And so we have a ministry to them as well. Remember all the furniture that's been given? And so this church has been um, very generous. But with staffing and ministry costs in our facility, we run about a $500,000 budget. That's a pretty normal budget for a first-year church, just kind of giving some, some perspective. Uh, and our, our sending church, Friends Church Your Belinda, subsidizes $150,000 of that. Um, they kind of offset the cost of that. They've been very generous to us. We would not be in this facility if it wasn't for them. That's a large part of what they give so that we can be here. Um, and if you do the math, 500000 minus 150. We'll leave about $350,000, which has been our working budget since day one. And right now, we are actually 5% above our budget, which is really good. We're in a healthy place. One of our church planning goals is to be financially independent from our mother church within the next 18 to 20 months. So that's not like tomorrow, but it's not going to, it'll be here before we know it. And so we hope to increase in our generosity and our budget 
as our church grows, as a new church, we know that will happen, but also as each of us consider how do we grow in biblical generosity as well. And we have had a really good first, the first year. Uh, this past week, I met with another church planner um, during a luncheon, and they have the same budget we have, except it's flipped. Their sending church supports them $350,000, and they bring in $150,000. So I just say that in perspective, that this church is doing really well. And I want to affirm you for all the sacrifices that you've made to make it happen this last year. Um, but if you have questions about how this works, I want to give us a challenge, kind of a call to action. Between now and Easter, we're going to have what's called the Giving Challenge. All of our campuses are doing this. We are one campus of four as a church, and all of our campuses are doing this between now and Easter. And we're asking that, hey, if this is all new to you, it's an opportunity to kind of opt in. You know, when you want to get in shape, you have like the 30-day challenge. This is like the giving challenge, right? And so here's the way you can step in. If you've never given before in your whole life, or you've never given in the last couple years, the invitation is just, just give. Like, give whatever. Give $5, give a dollar, um, give a percent of your income. Just begin to step in and to see what God does. Just, that's the very beginning. The second one is if you give already, but you don't give consistently, just to give consistently. No need to increase. Just like give regularly, like every other week or every month, whatever that looks like for you, give consistently what you're currently giving. And then for those who give consistently, thank you. Because a lot of our budget being in a healthy place is because of, of that consistent giving. And if that's you, uh, uh, if you would consider increasing your giving by 1%, whatever that looks like. Um, if people, if you want a, a number, if everybody who was in that category gave $25 to $50 more per month per adult in their family, that would set us up to become a lot more independent financially as we kind of continue to grow as a new church. And then finally, there are those in this room, I know you're here because you've talked to me, who love to give. And you're, um, you have like the gift of giving. And I would consider myself, I love giving. I, Kristen knows that I just, I like to give to people and lend things out. Um, and so I know some people in this room are like that. And if you're wondering, oh, how do I give above and beyond? How do I give sacrificially? Um, I want to ask you if you want to do that. I would love to talk to you more, number one, just to pray with you and thank you for what you want to do. But also, would you consider giving sacrificially just to our general fund? Because that fund allows us to do three more main things, which is number one, give to kids and families. So we have a slogan here. We say, if you win the kids, you win the city. And we think that our kids' ministry is going to be awesome. We're a new VBS student ministry. We want to launch it in the fall. And if you want to give sacrificially to our general fund, it goes to building up that ministry. And also goes to, to our facility so that we can be more independent as a church and not relying on our sending church. And then it also goes to our impact, to our missions budget, to make a difference for people outside these church walls. So if you're interested in giving more sacrificially, just give to our general fund whatever God is calling you to do. Thank you. Thank you for helping this church exist. It's a dream. And I hope that it's a blessing to you to give and invest here. And like I said, um, if you have any questions about how things are handled here, um, we're transparent, wide open, where things go. We'd love to talk to you more about it. But this morning, I want to conclude with one other thing that we're going to begin doing starting next week. And that is we're going to start taking a physical offering. And I know it's a little old school. You're like, what, what is that? I haven't seen that since like 2019, man. Um, and because it kind of ended during COVID, right? Um, here's why we're going to bring it back. You can still give online, which I encourage you to give online. That's where I give. I don't even see the money. It just comes out and I just know what I have to work with. You can give to the robot offering box over there. It looks like a little robot like walking around by the door. Um, but you can also give when we pass the offering plate. 
And imagine with me my Bible, um, or even better, I can use the little cantaloupe thing, is the offering plate. It won't be this, by the way, just so you. Um, but even if you don't give anything, even if you give online, even if you give to the box, what I want to introduce today is a new spiritual practice for you. And when the plate gets passed, wherever it gets passed from, would you hold it in your hands? And would you go to God and say, God, thank you. Thank you for the job you've given me. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for all the blessings you've given me. And by the way, physical provision, the Bible is a blessing, is the third most important. The most important one is he gave us Jesus. You have favor with him. He calls you his child, son, and daughter. That's the most important. Thank you. God, thank you for my health. Thanks even for the trials you've given me. Just stop and thank God. And then ask God, God, help me to trust in you with what you've entrusted to me. Help me to be generous with what you've been generous to me with. Help my giving to actually look and point to you. And then pray for this place. God, I pray that this church that I give to would use every dollar wisely, prayerfully, which we do. But even more so. God, open up opportunities to use what I'm giving to change lives. And God, open up opportunities to change lives of kids and impact the city. God, would you do that with what I'm giving you? And you know, it may feel like just a tiny little seed, right? But God can take that seed, he can multiply the impact. And then what God gives back is his affection and oftentimes even more than we ever ask or imagine. And that's what I want to do today as we close. And just take a moment to thank God. And just tangibly have you have a moment, a conversation with God of what he's given to you. Because gratitude really impacts our hearts. It's good for us. So would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for this morning.